You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey friend, thank you for joining me for episode number 108 of Life Repurposed. This week I have a guest, her name is Terry Prawl, and I'm going to be chatting with her about something that's kind of heavy, a topic that I haven't really covered on the show before in depth, and that is talking about the loss of a child. Terry is going to tell a little bit of her story, but she tells more in her own writing about how when her son Ryan was stillborn, it just changed so much in her life as a young woman and in her search for God and finding meaning in life. So if you're somebody who's listening, who's going through incredible grief and you need somebody to understand and and just talk about the same kinds of things that you might be experiencing, that would be Terry's story because she's real and she's raw. And I love how she just opens up her heart and shares exactly what she went through so many years ago when she experienced that loss. Terry is an author, and her greatest desire is to encourage believers to make every effort to pursue Christ and love scripture. Terry is introverted and introspective, and she's a creative soul who loves walking in nature, studying scripture, reading nonfiction, perusing flea markets, and mentoring young women. She writes about her faith journey of resting and wrestling at terryprowl.com, and I'll have that in the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 108. She lives in the beautiful Ozark Mountains with her husband and her young adult daughter. She also has a son who has flown out of the nest already. So Terry tells a little bit of her story here. I hope you enjoy listening to her share her heart. And now a break for our sponsor. This podcast episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I receive commissions for referrals from BetterHelp. We cover some challenging topics in this podcast, and I want to point you toward a resource where you can find counseling help. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work. Perhaps you aren't dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Life Repurpose listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Life Repurposed. That's betterhelp.com slash life repurposed. Now back to the show.
Thank you, Terry, for joining me today to talk about your chapter in the book, Life Repurpose, and also to tell us a little bit more about your life. Thank you for having me. So I see from your bio that you are a flea market fan, and I am also, obviously, with the whole Life Repurpose theme. So I want to know, what is your favorite flea market find? I found, I don't know if you can see it, this hut or books, bookshelf hutch in the back here. I guess your uh, listeners might not be able to. <laughs> I know I see, just but... describe it for them. Okay, <laughs> is that a curio cabinet? Is that what that's called? Yes, it's an old. Um, oh, I guess I don't know. They repurposed it into a bookshelf and they put it up on these metal feet, and I just love it. And it has glass doors, and um, that was probably my best deal I've ever found <laughs> um, for an affordable price. So that's a big one to bring home from a flea market. Yes, I had to call my husband to come help me, which he appreciated because we, um, my office is upstairs, so he had to climb and carry that thing, and my son and him did that for me. So, my husband has had more of those where I'm calling him from a yard sale or something like that. My husband doesn't mind too much; it saved him lots of money. So, right, yeah, and sometimes people have things on a flea market or a sale that. Like it's priced way below what you would pay in an antique store. So it's really fun to find those gems like that. Right. So is that something that you've done for a long time or was it a later hobby? I've always done it. My mother did it and she would take me along and we had the best times. Um, she passed away three years ago. So that's one thing I miss, but I, I find myself doing it all the time, you know, just um, kind of out of wanting to feel close to her. Yeah. But we also both had booths together. Um, I've had booths through the years and um, repurposed and resold things. So um, she taught me all of that. And most right. of the things in her house were also um, redone by her and repainted and things like that. So That was something I did with my mother-in-law when she was alive. And we didn't have a lot of things in common. I'm pretty crafty and she's she was more of a gardener, canning, that kind of thing. But garage selling was something we had in common. So we'd put my little kids in the car and we'd get out the newspapers. That was back when you had to look for yard yes. sales in the newspaper mm -hmm. and go around and find the little treasures. So it is really neat how that hunt for that kind of treasure can bring you together with family. Yes. So in the chapter that you have in the Life Repurposed book, you wrote about a very difficult thing that happened in your life. And I found that as I was going through submissions for the book, that there were many versions of heartache that women have come through. And I also discovered there are many who have gone through different versions of a loss of a child. And that is one that you have come through. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Well, it was our first child. Um, we'd been married like three years and um, we were finishing college at the time. It was, well, my husband was finishing college and we were just very excited and, you know, planning everything. And um, I got to about eight and a half months and one night I just didn't feel very well, but I just thought, well, I'm getting ready to have a baby, so I probably won't feel very well, you know. So I stayed home. Um, my husband went to church, and I stayed home that night. And then um, I got up and went to work. I just felt really tired. And and I was just sitting at work, and I thought um, something wasn't right. You know, it was just kind of um, – he had been very active and moving around. And so I had just kind of noticed that 
you know, he wasn't moving much that morning at work. And so I told my boss and she was like, you know, tried to be like, well, it's your first, you know, but you're getting close to the end. So he may just be, um, you know, hunkering down, you know, before he comes and stuff. And, but for like an hour, I just didn't feel right. You know, it didn't feel settled. And so I finally just decided to go get checked out. And my grandparents actually had to come get me because I didn't have a car at that time. And Mm. my husband was at work and I didn't, I thought maybe I was just being over um, worrisome new mother, you know? So um, I didn't want to have him come get me, but so anyways, they took me and shortly after getting there, you know, they hooked me up to the monitors and everything. And um, the nurse, I just remember matter of fact, we just said there was no heartbeat. And so that just devastated me. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do um, at that time. And I was by myself because my grandparents were, well, they just had dropped me off because my mom was going to come up there. And so, and no one really thought anything, Mm -hmm. you know, was going to be wrong. So, um, and then, you know, my mom came and she found out and, and that was a whole different, just um, hearing her wail about that. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so I, went into labor and I gave birth naturally, but, um, God gave me grace to make it through that night and, um, kind of sustained me. And I don't, I remember feeling really strong about it at that time, you know, but, um, I guess you just do what you got to do, you know? And then, um, just the days following that, um, having a funeral and not, I mean, just, having no concept of this ever happening and just being totally, you know, just out of body for most Mm -hmm. of it. You know, I remember bits and pieces of it, but um, it was kind of a blur for sure. Yeah. As I read your story, I probably should have had tissue close by as we're doing, because your story really gripped me. The way you talked about being wheeled out of the hospital with empty arms I I couldn't imagine. I you know, I'm putting myself in in your shoes. I've I've w- watched friends walk through a similar journey and I still can't imagine because you had your house all set up. You were ready to bring a baby home. Yes. So in the days that followed that, how did you process after the numbness started to wear off? Well, I didn't really process well at first. I thought I was and during the day when people would you know, come by because everybody brings you food and wants to help you. And um, I just wanted to be left alone kind of thing, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I just remember um, there was a couple of nights I just couldn't sleep and leaning up to the funeral. And my mom came and my mom and dad came and stayed in our little apartment on the hideaway bed. And one night I had to sleep with my mom because I just couldn't I just couldn't deal, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'll try not to cry, but because um, I was just a, one of those memories with my mother, you know, to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's very um, special to me. Yeah. Really she would tender. do that. But um, I've written another piece about um, just how somebody delves into such deep grief that they end up doing self-harm and, mm. and, for a couple of those nights, um, I felt myself pulling out my hair and that kind of thing. And because there's just so much angst and grief that you don't know what to do with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
no one ever tells you how to, you know, I mean, you can't really prepare yourself for it, Mm -hmm. but I never really even considered that someone who loved God, you know, in age 24, I had never lost anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's abnormal for most people, but I'd had friends who lost, you know, people in their families and saw people in our church pass away, but no one really close to me. So this was a totally different type of pain, grief. And, um, and so when I made it to the funeral and, um, God again, gave me strength somehow to make it through that day. Cause it was a very long and emotional day and everybody wants to, um, be your cheerleader and it just is exhausting, you know? And so, um, it's, I think it's really hard in our culture to really sit with people in grief and they just want you to, um, be strong and move on. And that was not a process that was going to happen soon, you know, and like now, I mean, it's, you know, 22 years later and I still have tears about it, you know, yeah, it's just something in there, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but anyways, um, you know, after the funeral, everybody went back to normal life and you're just like, I'm looking around and we had made all these plans and all these things were in the apartment. And so, you know, up to that point, I was so distracted by everything and the planning mm-hmm. we had to do, but then it's like, you're sitting in the chair that you bought to rock him in and all these things. And yeah, I just, you know, it was really hard. Yeah. Um, so, um, but through that, I just, I mean, it was a long journey. It was probably a year or two before I really ever like got into my Bible again. Um, and I talked to God all the time and I, I did write a lot. I journaled, um, my feelings and, um, they were probably a little scary for anybody else to read, you know, <laughs> talking to God about that. But, um, so it was a long journey, but slowly, and I, I had a lot of people praying for me, a lot of family praying for my heart to be healed and things like that. So I know God, um, worked through that way, but he was very patient with me and, you know, um, just allowed me to seek him as I could. And, and yeah. I so, slowly did come out of that. So I think that's important because everyone has a different journey. It's important to know for those listening that wherever you are in your grief journey, it's okay. If it seems as if somebody else just went back with regular life quickly and it seemed as if they were reading their Bible and they had, you know, a different version of a solution it's okay to be in a place where you're just having the conversations you can with God, where you're resting in where you are right now and waiting for the next step. And so I I appreciated your story. One of the things you talked about that resonated with me was this belief we sometimes have as Christians that if we do all the things right, we're going to be spared from suffering and that it isn't fair if somebody who did it all wrong gets to have the blessing. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about that because I I have grown up with that more of a legalistic mindset and have wrestled with some of the same things. Yes, it's one of those things when you grow up in church in a certain denomination where it's so ingrained in you that you don't really think about things because you don't have to face them until you endure the suffering or the tension between living in this broken world in certain ways you don't have an understanding of really, you know, how to live that out in regular life. And so 
Um, and like I said, not having lost anybody, I really, you know, had no idea how to process that kind of thing. And, and I don't really feel like I was really taught how to do that, you know? So, and just going to Bible college and you would think I would have known (laughs) more, um, truth from that, but I just felt like there was certain part of scriptures that were taken out of context sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, because they're just not a deep understanding sometimes of how it all goes together, how all of scripture as one whole. And I believed that if I was a good young lady, that God was going to bless me. You know, I just honestly to the core. And I think a lot of that was, I mean, we did have purity culture and, and things like that, that really said, you know, that God valued these things and he did, but I didn't know he does, but I didn't really understand that he would love me regardless Mm -hmm. or that just because um, you're close with God doesn't mean the world and it's um, heartache isn't going to touch your life. And, and I don't know how I missed that because now that I read scripture all the time, the people struggled, they wrestled. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm writing a chapter about that in my, my book that I'm working on. It just about how all of the people in scripture had their moments of doubt and struggled with God and how Jesus says we are going to um, have heartache. We're going to have hardship that we are going to suffer and um, the world's not going to understand this. And I, that didn't make sense to me either, you know? Um, and so it's just like, as you live life and you grow older and, um, so I think maybe some of those things, maybe, you know, just until you live it, you don't understand, Mm -hmm. I think partly, not that I wasn't ever taught that there was suffering in the Christian life, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really see it. You know, I had a Mm -hmm. fairly safe family and upbringing and, and church, you know, situation. So it was just one of those things where you have to actually go through it and then learn to really depend on the Lord um, in a way that I had never had to before. And so my relationship became real, you know, in many ways, I guess. Were you volunteering with teenagers? Am I thinking of your story correctly? Yes. You were, you were working yes. like as youth group leaders or something like that? Yes. My husband and I um, were youth workers um, for the high school department at our church. And I had my own group of, um, a small group of um, teenage girls. And, um, you know, when I, I had seen a lot of things and well, I, you know, rightly thought, well, they're making bad choices and they're going to pay consequences for that. And me, I thought, you know, I waited um, didn't have any sexual interactions until I was married and, and, you know, thought this is the way God wants you to do this. So um, he's going to bless me. And I don't even know if I really thought that I didn't think, Oh, God's going to bless me, but it was just an assumption that I made. And so I think that's how it was so abrupt and um, shocking to me when it happened, you know, so but I did see um, one Sunday a young woman came in and 
there had been other situations too. There was another young lady who thought she was and had talked to me. And I, so I began wrestling with these things and then seeing um, a young teen, you know, holding this baby and, and also other friends, you know, bringing their babies. And I just didn't understand how, why God would do that to me, you know? And so he began to work on my heart because there was a lot of things that um, I held about God, beliefs that I held about God that were not right, you know? Yeah. And I had kind of fashioned, I think a lot of us do, we fashion our own idea of what God is going to, going to be like, and he is like, and how he's going to work in our life. And, and we misconstrue things. And, and like I said, I, I went through um, a year or so after really going through scripture, trying to figure out who God was. And I'd really never done that before. I just listened to who people told me God was. And so sitting through Bible stories all my life, um, you know, I understood the stories, but I didn't know the actual storyteller, this story maker. So that has been a, a journey still, you know, you never learn everything about God. So, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That's something that, you know, I grew up in church too and listening to the Bible, listening to people talk about it, but it had reached almost a similar conclusion in that I was living as if God would love me more, accept me more if I was good. And so it was almost like I'd confused the real gospel, which I knew. I knew you don't work your way to heaven. I know it's only by Jesus. Somehow I acted differently from what I said I believed. And I love that in your story, you're vulnerable. You tell that. You walk the reader through the process and you don't hide your emotions. I love that you're real and raw like that. You also then have come to a place where you've rediscovered joy in your life. You have other children. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Um, it was about a year after we lost Ryan that I got, um, well, we had Devin. Um, so he is 22 and married now. And then I have an 18-year-old daughter. and they are just delightful. And I have, you know, not every day has been delightful our whole lives, but (laughs) (laughs) overall, um, God has really just given me, um, children who love the Lord and, and really, um, just enjoy being with their family. And so that's been a blessing. Um, raising them was, you know, just the highlight of my life which I know I'm not completely done raising them, but they don't need me hardly at all anymore. So, you know, I'm into, my daughter still lives with us. She's um, halfway through college. So, but she's, you know, gone more than she is here. Well, not during the pandemic, but right. So we got, we got her more this year. She's doing a lot on zoom, but she still um, works, you know, and is gone a lot. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, what the next stage of my life looks like and um, just all the things that God has been teaching me and how I can share that with other people and especially other young women mm-hmm. who I think, you know, they want real. I think a lot of young people these days, um, they know when you're just using a cliche and they know mm-hmm. when you're pretending to know something about life and God when you really don't, you know, and a lot of them have so much pain and angst in their lives and struggle that they don't know how to make sense of that. And so 
I know that's my purpose going forward from here, but yes, God's really blessed me. I'm a husband of 26 years and um, we came through that. That was a hard time going through that as a young married couple, learning how to go through grief on different levels and, and things like that. So I do praise God for that also, that he has protected us in our marriage, even through those things. So. What are some ways that you've remembered Ryan and brought him into your everyday life, like with um, your your younger children? You know, how did you keep his memory alive in your family? Well, I just have always talked about him. Like I remember my son, um, he was in first grade, and I went to volunteer one day. And there was a substitute teacher there, a lady had surgery. And so um, she was there for like three months, but um, she stopped me when I came into the classroom and she was like, I didn't know you had three kids. And I was like, oh yes. Yeah. Um, We had, we had Ryan and my son had told his teacher and his friends all about Ryan and he had never met him, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when they were younger, we would take him to the cemetery because they, you know, didn't know how to like really, you know, we, we have pictures of him, but you know, we did that. It's not really been a big part of my life just because it doesn't really um, help me much to go to the cemetery. Mm -hmm. And so people are different in that way. And I I understand that. Um, But I feel like I go there and he's not there (laughs) kind of thing. And so um, in our own way, I mean, I write about him a lot. I, I tell people about him on his anniversary of when he passed away and um, just how much his life impacted me because there will be, sorry, there's another prowl in heaven. And, you know, I tell people, I don't want them to be surprised when they get there and (laughs) another one of us. (laughs) And so um, he, yeah, in eight and a half months, he really did change my life. So, Yeah. I I want people to know that they can talk about a family member who they've lost. I have met too many people who have been told to just stop talking about this family member. This is part of your heart. This son is part of your family. And so I love that you've made that part of your ongoing legacy. Did you create any sort of memory book or anything like that? I do. Um, You know, I only have a few pictures and I wasn't really in the frame of mind to even think about that. You know, people nowadays, you know, have probably better ways to do that. But the nurses were kind enough to snap some pictures for me or else. I I mean, we didn't have a camera when we went to them. Mm -hmm. We didn't have phones at that time. So, yeah, um, you know, we have a few mementos from that. But the main thing that's in my um, scrapbook is cards from people who sent me um, things. And we had a church that their ladies meeting um, was gathered at the time that I lost Ryan and they had stopped to pray and they all wrote postcards and sent them to me. And so I have like, I don't know, like 30 pages full of those cards and I go back and read those. And, and, you know, cause at first I, I probably didn't read them for years, you know, cause it was, it just was yeah. too, too painful at that time. But that's been a special thing, too, um, for that. But I've never been afraid to mention his name because he was a real person. And yeah. and I think other people 
they are afraid that you're going to be hurt by talking about him. But I'm always thinking of, you know, it's like as a mother, you know, even when you have grown children, I think, I wonder what Devin's doing today or yeah. what Lindsay, where she's at. And it's no different. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know that there's really been a day at some point there hasn't been his name flashed in my mind or, mm-hmm. um, you know, wonder what heaven's like, what he's doing, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, I wouldn't speak for everybody, but I think most people want to know that their loved one is remembered and, mm-hmm. and they enjoy sharing stories. And of course, when it's an infant loss or, um, you know, miscarriage or something, and you don't necessarily have pictures or things to show, it's much mm-hmm. different, but just honoring that with mm-hmm. remembering on an anniversary is really important. And you have the memories of like the day you found out you were pregnant. Yes. The the day, did you know you were having a boy or no? Yes. yes. So you knew, not everyone 20 some years ago knew what they were right. having. So, right. so you have the memory of knowing when you found that out. So many little milestones along the way that you can celebrate. Do you have moments where you wonder, like, what would he look like now? Yes. My son, Devin, looks just like my husband. And, you know, I just think from his baby picture, I can just see the similarities. And I really think all three of them would have been probably uh, three peas in a pod. (laughs) He was very long, you know, and uh, skinny, just like my... um, my husband and and my uh, son. So I just think they would have been a lot alike. And I just, I think that's part of the sadness is I just think, you know, it would have been just so much fun just to see them interacting and, and being together. So I want to give you an opportunity to speak to the woman who's listening, who has gone through loss and is grieving. And that could be a loss that just happened, or it could be grieving 20 years there's you know wherever they are in the journey I would like you to share from your heart what you would say to somebody if they were sitting face to face with you well it is hard I would never say anything other than that that it it's hard and but God is faithful and God is good and if you keep seeking him you will find him he doesn't want us to be in darkness and um Depression is not his plan. Living anxiously. It was hard for me to get pregnant again. Um, You know, not physically getting pregnant, but just the worry over Mm -hmm. it happening again each time. And and God didn't want that for me. And so that's the things that I had to like really work through and um, really learn to trust him in that I hadn't had to do before because you are totally dependent. And so I think when you go through that grief, it's okay to do it the way you need to do it. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't want all the pressure that I felt to grieve a certain way. Um, I wouldn't want that for anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they have somebody that will come alongside them and sit with them, you know, and just really feel that loss with them because it's big and um, I did have somebody say an unkind thing and, and it really just broke my spirit, you know, and they asked me if I was over it, you know, a month after. And I'm just like, I don't know how to even process 
that somebody saying that to me. And so I would say that you really have to kind of just be with God and be with the grief and work through that and kind of let what other people think about how that should look be set aside and find the things that slowly bring you joy and um, life and find a way to process that in a healthy way. Like I said, um, I had moments where, you know, tearing up my hair was not a healthy thing to do. And people had to help me work through that because um, no one can really fix this. You know, there's people can love on you, but there's no fixing it. And so you just really need people that will sit with you in your sadness and work with you to hold on to um, the parts of you, you know, that um, are joyful and, and to remind you of the faithfulness of God. I would say find um, books to read that remind you. I mean, if you can't read your Bible at the time, sometimes you're just so you could be bitter or, um, you know, your just mind is not clear enough and it doesn't make sense to you. So sometimes I wanted to, I just couldn't get my mind in the right place. Um, I just felt like, you know, I just didn't understand anything. And so, I mean, there's so many resources today about um, things like that and maybe find, you know, a book. If you can't find somebody in your life that has been through that, I think that was one of the biggest blessings is we found people who had walked that road. And for the first time we were like, somebody gets it, (laughs) you know, and three years down the road, when an anniversary hits and you're back under your covers in your bed, you know, somebody gets that and, um, and that's okay. And so I would just say, don't be afraid, you know, just to walk through the grief. You don't have to pretend like it's not painful and that there are people who understand and um, if you feel like you're in such darkness now, God will rescue you hmm. and he will repurpose your life and, and give you joy. I so much appreciate you sharing this because it's a heavy topic to cover, but so important for mm-hmm. us to cover because there are people who are trying to grieve in secret because they don't know who to talk to. The other thing is there are a lot of people listening who know somebody who's gone through something, maybe didn't send that card. I have this in somebody that I know right now, I didn't send the sympathy card when I should have. It's not too late. I can send it a month or two later. In that moment when there's no more cards coming in the mail, I can still make the phone call. You also have a resource that you want to share on Psalm 119. Tell us about that. Well, this came out of um, working through my grief. And it was probably a couple years after um, we lost Ryan and I started really seeking God and getting into the word. And, um, but I just, it just felt stale. And I was trying to like, just read those, um, what are they called? Daily bread, like little Mm -hmm. devotional things. And it was like a little verse and a short little passage, if you're not familiar with those, but I just didn't feel filled up, you know, after doing that. And I just felt God's telling me that I needed to seek him, not just do a duty, not just to check off my list because it wasn't doing me any good, you know? Um, 
I needed to read to find him. And so um, one day I was like um, reading and I was like, this is just not working. You know, I'm just like frustrated and I want to know you, God. And and then um, I was looking through the concordance in the back. Is that what you call it? Concordance? Yeah. <laughs> um, at different words words, you know, about what I was searching for. And there was one verse in there about um, the grief being in in their bones. And it just that God um, comforted them in that grief. And so that verse led me to that chapter. And then from there, I just started reading it and I couldn't stop. It was just like, it tells you all about the purpose of scripture. It tells you about how to love God's word and and what all of the things that God's word does and that it gives life and and it brings hope and it answers our questions and gives us wisdom. I mean, there's so many things um, that that I mean, there's 176 verses in Psalm 119. So there's a lot in there. And I just found like little tidbits all the time. And it was just like God just started reviving me, you know, in in different ways. And I just learned to thirst like I hadn't thirsted before. Hmm. And, and I think that is born out of, there's no other place to find your hope. And so Mm -hmm. I really did, um, suffering taught me that. And so Psalm 119 was a special book for me. And so a few years later, um, the church that we were going to did ask me to talk and share a little bit about my story. And, and I made this, short little Bible study about Psalm 119. And I asked the ladies to commit to reading it. And um, I can't remember, I called it sweeter than honey or something like that, but I got a lot of good response from it and stuff from the the women. And um, I hadn't really shared my story on that level before. So, Um, and then from there, I just kind of slowly kept working on it. And um, the thing that I have now on my, um, my blog is a nine page kind of study. I do share part of my story in that. And then I walk through how to kind of um, study the passage, the words, what they mean, and, and then lead them to find their own, you know, applications and what God would have them learn from that. So where can we get that? My blog is terryprawl.com backslash subscribe. Um, That would be, I mean, you can just go to terryprawl.com and then go to the bottom of any page and there's a subscribe box there and um, it'll lead you to a resource page. And that's one of, I have lots of other resources on there about different Bible studies, but that's my main one that I um, like to encourage people with. Great. I'll link to that in the show notes for this episode so that people can go there to terryperl.com and get that and the other resources. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with as we close today, Terry? It's been a pleasure to talk to you. This is my first podcast <laughs> and yeah. and I was very nervous, but thank you for making <laughs> me feel welcome and and um I apologize if my my crying um voice annoyed anybody. Um, it's a hard topic. <laughs> hard topic. I've to cried talk several about times without, today. Yeah. Without tears, yeah. but I hope that it encourages somebody and um that my story can bring hope and see that even in grief God can repurpose and rework your faith in the necessary ways and transform us. Yeah, he can. Thank you so much, Terry, for being here and sharing your story. Yeah. You can get access to Terry's Bible study on Psalm 119 
at terryprawl.com or you can find it at michellerayburn.com slash 108 in the show notes and I'll link you right to the page on her website where you can get that. There was even more that we talked about and I've put some of that together into a bonus episode. That shorter bonus episode is going to be shared in the Life Repurpose community on Facebook. It's free. It's not something you have to pay to be part of at all, but some of that bonus content is going to be appearing there in the future as well. In that bonus interview, Terry talked about what was not helpful and what was helpful during her grieving process. And you might find that as something that's helpful for you and also for if you have a friend who's going through grief to know just a little bit about how you can say or do something that would be meaningful for them. So I encourage you to go to Facebook and look for Life Repurpose Community, request to join the community with a couple of questions, and then you will have access to that in the posts that appear there on that page. So thank you so much for being with me. I look forward to being with you again next week. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.